are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten. It's everything you need to know about the conference every single weekday. Alongside our Monday co-host, Jay Stevens, I'm Nate Dickinson. Thanks for joining in here after an exciting weekend of Big Ten football. Jay, we'll talk more about your Ohio State Buckeyes and what it seemed like probably a much closer win, I'm sure, than you would have liked over Penn State. But first, we got to start with the marquee game of the week. As we thank you for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen of the day every weekday, Michigan State defeats Michigan 37-33. And there's a whole lot to talk about here. Kenneth Walker the third puts together the game that the talk is saying is his ticket to New York at the very least as a Heisman finalist. But my first question to you, Jay, as the resident king of the Big Ten in Ohio State, but also the team that has really, and we've consistently said this on the show, been the team that has the offense in this conference. Both these teams put up 30-plus points. Both these offenses looked pretty good. Peyton Thorne wasn't great, but he, he honestly... The stat line doesn't look great with the two interceptions. He was pretty okay out, outside of those couple of mistakes. Michigan passing game was really good. Already mentioned Kenneth Walker with the five touchdowns. All sorts of receivers look solid. What do you make of the offensive performance that these two put up against each other in what we were expecting to be a pretty classic Big Ten game? It turned into a bit of a shootout. I mean, this offensive performance from both teams was amazing. I was not expecting for uh, Kate McNamara to throw for – over 350, almost 400, over, almost 400 yards in this game that wasn't expected. I was expecting a two-headed monster, two-quarterback system of J.J. McCarthy, JJ McCarthy and McNamara. We saw that throughout the entirety of the game, and right. for most of it, you would think that it worked like it had all season long for the Wolverines. Over 500 total yards for the Wolverines, that was amazing. You also have to talk about talking about the offense. Peyton Thorne looked a little bit different than what I expected. Um I don't know what his numbers look like, 19 to 30 for 196. I do think he made some crucial throws, some big throws in key moments. But Kenneth Walker III, five touchdown performance. He scored in big moments, scored after big plays. And he did things that we expected and then still blew our minds with how good he was on the biggest stage of the year for the Michigan State Spartans. Yeah, he's been doing it all year. And then he just put together a performance that, that was so much of a, a – magnitude greater than anything he had done before sticking with Kenneth Walker the third again we had talked about offenses not being able to produce the way Ohio State had we talked a lot about this show about how individuals had really failed to step up and become the star of this conference Kenneth Walker may have done that with this performance how do you believe he now weighs on that scale also as an Ohio State fan that has to face off against this team soon, is Kenneth Walker someone that scares you enough alone for you to be worried about what Michigan State can do against, uh, say, Ohio State defense? I do think Kenneth, Kenneth Walker III is kind of the front runner in the conference as far as saying who is like the offensive leader, who is the guy in the offense that might be the best player at their position offensively. I do think Kenneth Walker III has been that all season long. Once again, shows and proves why he held, why he holds that position. Now we look at Ohio State standpoint, and is he does he scare Ohio State? Does he make me nervous? Ohio State's rush defense has gotten a lot better game after game after game. However, this young man is not like any other running back that Ohio State has played 
this season. And he's not like any running back that Ohio State will face until they face Kenneth Walker III on November the 20th. And so I do think he is somebody, even though the run defense has gotten better for Ohio State, the Buckeyes better be ready because this offensive line of Michigan State knows if we're successful, it's because the guy behind us is able to move and see the holes that we create then move right through them. It does make me a little bit nervous, more nervous than it already was. I do think this game, Michigan State, Ohio State, November 20th, is Ohio State's toughest test. Well, it was, again, 23 carries, 197 yards, and five touchdowns. It won't be the last time I think we say it on this show because it was that good of a performance from Kenneth Walker III on the biggest stage of the weekend. And again, he, he put his name on the national spotlight if you had not already known the kind of season that the Michigan State star running back had been having. We're going to go over the rest of the games from around the Big Ten this weekend with Jay in just a minute. Of course, Wisconsin picked up a big win over Iowa. Jay's Ohio State Buckeyes win over Penn State. And we've got all sorts of things to discuss from all the other games in the Big Ten, too. By the way, Minnesota's alone atop the Big Ten West. I haven't even mentioned that yet. But before we get into that, Jay, I, I want to quickly look ahead. This is something we're going to ask everybody as we go along the week here. Something I want to kind of start up, ask everyone that we have on here every day, the same kind of question to get a gauge on how everyone's feeling going into the next week or just about anything, really. This week in the Big Ten football, there's kind of a, another, uh, you don't call it a week off because anything can happen. But as far as like big marquee games, there's a lot of them still to come. None of them are happening this weekend, I guess is what I'm saying. There's a big point spread in just about every single game this weekend. Double digits, I think, in every single one except for Michigan State, Purdue, which uh, I think we've talked about already before we went on air that that game. Michigan State, a clear favorite in both of our minds, even though the spread isn't looking that way. If every game is as it is right now in your head, which I think everyone would agree, there's a clear favorite and a clear underdog in each of these matchups, and we'll get to all of them in a sec. Is there one that you think could stand out as where an upset might be brewing this week? Because, again, it, it's not going to be obvious, but many of the upsets that have happened in the Big Ten this season have been that way. The one that sticks out into my mind, I know it's a double-digit favorite, which still, I won't say it amazes me. I just think that this other team, like you mentioned, that's the top of the Big Ten West, has been playing better than we thought they would based off how they started the season. I think Rutgers could upset Wisconsin. I'm a little nervous saying that even right now, even, even before we went on air, I was a little hesitant about what game I was going to pick. But Rutgers at home in Jersey, the travel might get the Badgers. The start time, I know it's just an hour difference for the, for the time zone, but any little detail, any detail, as you know, Wisconsin is going to have to really prove it, win after win after win, to get into the Big Ten championship game. Make sure we watch out for, did I say Minnesota? Is Minnesota up top of the Big Ten West? Yes. Or is it Wisconsin? Minnesota. Minnesota is. I thought I said the wrong thing right there. Forgive me. But Wisconsin think, still controls its fit destiny, but Minnesota right now up top, yeah. I knew something was wrong when I when it came out, out of my mouth. I had to clarify that very quickly. But I do think it is Wisconsin, Rutgers. I could yeah. see Rutgers losing to Wisconsin on Saturday. I'm still nervous about saying that out loud, but it's already out there. Let's, let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you already mentioned a little inside baseball. Jay was very, very uh, unsure of what game to go with here. <laughs> because, again, it's all 
very big favorites right now. Wisconsin Rutgers was one of the ones I was looking at. Uh, we won't have Kevin McGuire on tomorrow. Might try to get Asher Lowe in, but if not, I'll tell you more about where I think that upset might be coming on tomorrow's show. But again, just something we'll ask everyone throughout the week and see where they think those might lie. See who, who might end up nailing it this weekend. When we come back, we're going to talk about the games that have already happened. Jay is with us for six more games as everyone was in action in the Big Ten last weekend. We'll talk all about it here on Locked On Big Ten. Today's episode of Locked On Big Ten is brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Now, Prize Picks, I know what you're thinking, just another fantasy sports site out there. And this is fantasy sports, but it is not just like anything else that you've seen before. I promise you that. Prize Picks works different. First off, if you're a college sports fan, they've got more opportunities to play fantasy with college athletes than anywhere out there. What you do is you go over to Prize Picks, you pick a group of players or teams or anything that you like, and you end up putting them in a fantasy lineup with over and unders on props with their results. What you do is you end up getting that all together, and then once you're done, if everything that you say is going to happen happens, you cash out big. Multiply your money by five, ten times even more. If you want to learn more about how it works, go to prizepicks.com. And I'm telling you guys, this is not just another fantasy sports option. This is something different. They're not doing it the same way everybody else is. So if you're itching for something new, I urge you, try out Prize Picks. Go over to prizepicks.com right now. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. Jay Stevens here with Locked On Buckeyes. Thanks for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. When you're done here, be sure to make your second listen, Locked On Buckeyes. If you need to know anything about Ohio State sports every weekday, Jay Stevens has you covered. And of course, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. They're on YouTube too. It's all the stuff that you get here at Locked On Big Ten. Just switch it out with Buckeyes. You'll be able to find it. Jay, thanks for joining us again here on a Monday, as always, to talk Big Ten results from over the weekend. Already went into the biggest game. Michigan State defeats Michigan up to number five in the AP polls. Didn't actually ask you about what you thought about them jumping your Buckeyes, but we can get to that in a second. Right now, let's talk about another big game in the Big Ten West. Wisconsin defeats Iowa. Iowa no longer controls its own fate in the Big Ten. Wisconsin still does, and it's a convincing win. For the Badgers as well, 20 to nothing, the uh, score at halftime in this game. And it, it looked like if you hadn't watched either of these teams going into this game this season, that Wisconsin was the top 10 squad. It manhandled Iowa throughout this game, Jay. I wasn't expecting it, but again, it was a rough time for a guy like Spencer Petras in that Iowa offense, which just failed to show up again. And when a team like even a Wisconsin or a Purdue can put up points on Iowa, apparently that's enough to beat him. I mean, when you have three turnovers and they're all fumbles, I mean, that's a bad recipe for trying to make something good out of what it is. You mentioned mm -hmm. Spencer Petras and this Iowa team, Early on, it was all defense, defense being opportunistic, the offense getting good field position, so on and so forth. When that's not the formula that we're seeing on the field, they're struggling in a big way. And Wisconsin, once again, is finding ways to win games when you're trying to lean on Graham Mertz. We learned early that that's probably not going to be what you're going to be able to do. Braylon Allen, 20 carries, 104 on the ground, 5.2 yards a pop. Had some big runs, some key runs, getting out 10, 15-yard runs in this game. And I think that him and this defense 
they're finding some ways to put games together, put wins together, and they realized if we're going to beat Iowa, we gotta conv- we gotta get turnovers. We have to force them to do things with the ball they don't want to do. Iowa did it to people earlier in the season. Wisconsin did that to Iowa over the weekend. We're going to talk about Minnesota in a minute, but we mentioned that's the team that's right now at the top of the Big Ten West. Wisconsin still controls its own destiny. I was far from out of it, even though it lost to Wisconsin. Badgers already have two Big Ten losses, so it's not that far away from Iowa being back in this thing, too. Who do you consider to be in the driver's seat right now in that division? Again, Minnesota's on top as far as wins and losses, but as I'll talk about later on in the show, probably there's not really all that much that the wins and losses mean anymore. Of course, if you get upset, you get upset, but it's going to come down to the big games at the end that decide things. Where are you at with where the power is on that side? I think the power right now is probably with, with I'm, I want to say Wisconsin. I want to be honest with you. I want to say Wisconsin, but Minnesota's ability to run the ball with no matter who is behind the offensive line yeah. With Tanner Morgan not really making mistakes. Now he's going to, he's not your amazing quarterback, but he's kind of managing the game in the way that he needs to manage the game with his offense to move the ball for the offense to score points, score enough points to win the game. My gut says Wisconsin, but for some reason, I'm not sure if there's going to be a team that can slow down this rushing attack that Minnesota currently has right now. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you see that I just like what when Nate asked earlier about the question about what team, what upset could we have this upcoming week? I was a little hesitant about that. I'm just as hesitant about saying Wisconsin, because I do believe Minnesota right now with their offensive line kind of found a formula and they could stay at the top of the big 10 West and be in Indianapolis at the beginning of December. Yeah. We'll talk more about the Gophers in just a second, but again, They and the Badgers at the moment, along with Iowa right on the heels, still all in that fight for the Big Ten West. And I guess I don't know if Purdue is still in things even at all, too. I mean, they got the win as well, but I suppose they probably have a scenario where Purdue can make it as well, too. But they're they're not, again, controlling things on their side either. Moving on to the next biggest game in the conference of the weekend over on the east side, your Ohio State Buckeyes, Jay, defeated Penn State 33-24, to but only up by a field goal going into the fourth. What did you think about what Penn State was able to do against this Ohio State team? Because when you look at the stat line, it's really satisfying again. C.J. Stroud, 300 yards, a touchdown, doesn't throw any picks. Henderson at 152 yards on the ground with the score, a spread out passing attack, scoring the ball as well. Uh, again, you, you give up some points to Penn State, but in a really close game, I'm interested to hear from you. What are the things that you're being nitpicky about as to why the Nittany Lions were able to keep this one close? I'm glad we're recording this about 24 hours after the well about the second half started almost 24 hours after the game ended because if you would have had me record this last night I was very frustrated and you saying Jay Ohio State won the game they beat a top 25 team a team in Penn State they lost three in a row but they're still a top 25 team and both the AP and coaches polls I do expect them to be a top 25 team when the first college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday evening so this team, Penn State, they did a phenomenal job of slowing down the rushing attack. And I think the offensive line was one of my biggest complaints going into the at the at the end of the game. Because Ohio State's offensive line had opened up numerous holes, wide, massive holes you could drive 18 wheelers through. And that wasn't there 
the offensive rushing attack was really slowed down. And Ryan Day said, hey, Henderson, this is your time to get all the carries. You're not going to pull another guy in off the bench. You're getting all the carries. And when we saw when they can't do that, the offense, there was no running outside. Play calling was one thing, but the offensive line was a big struggle. The linebackers from Penn State definitely filled the gaps consistently and quickly, swiftly, and really messed up Ohio State's offensive line. I think Ohio State also had seven um, pre-snap penalties, which was very uncharacteristic. But I think you're trying to anticipate what Penn State was going to do. Slanting and moving on the defensive line also caused confusion for Ohio State's offensive line throughout the game. It's something that, I mean, if you look at just the efficiency numbers, too, if you're looking for something on the score, Five for 14 on third down, Ohio State. Penn State, 11 for 16 on the third down markers. I, I mean, and those crucial plays, was, was there anything Penn State's defense was like figuring out at all, or is this an execution thing only? Execution and play calling. You could even go to the red zone scoring, the red zone um, efficiency there, and the red zone efficiency was not there. I don't mm. know how many fourth downs Ohio State went for, but I think there were – some some mess ups there as well. I know Ryan they went for a fourth and two on its own on the on in plus territory on Penn State's thirty eight, and he's like, we had the perfect play call, everything was right. It was a penalty that de- that derailed that. I I, I believe it was a penalty. I thought he should have gone for a field goal there. Would have been a longer field goal, but you but I do think a field goal would have been the better call because in the moment you'd need points. Short yardage efficiency was not there for Ohio State which once again, give credit to the Nittany Lions linebackers, defensive linemen, because they were causing so much trouble for Ohio State's offensive line, especially in short yardage situations. Let's move on a little bit here. And again, Ohio State, we'll talk a little bit. No, no, let's actually stay. Again, uh, I mentioned before, Michigan State jumped Ohio State. Uh, Jay, again, rankings are are kind of a, a little bit, Mm-hmm. more meaningless when they're at the top and still what they are right now for those two teams. But do you think people think that Michigan state is better than Ohio state has a better resume than Ohio state will have think, a better resume? I don't know. I think when the way that, let me say this correctly with the way that Michigan state has played and with the way that they looked against Michigan, when Ohio state, if Ohio state beat Penn state and Michigan state, Michigan was a few weeks ago. I I'm not sure if you view the same team that the, the wins the same, but when you have a 12 o'clock game, Michigan state beating Michigan arrival, the seven 30 game, Ohio state beats Penn state. You see how Michigan state looks in the memory from that game, from that win was not the margin of victory. It was Kenneth Walker, the third and how well he played had his Heisman moment. The takeaway for Ohio State is there's questions, maybe different questions than normal, but there's questions. Now, it's a win against a tough team, a team that normally plays you close. I'm not really surprised they jumped Ohio State. They're undefeated in a Power 5 conference, a really tough conference, a really tough, one of the tougher divisions in all of college football. So I'm not surprised that Michigan State jumped Ohio State. You're probably not going to ask me this. I also think that Michigan State is going to be above Ohio State Tuesday evening when the first CFP rankings come out. I do think it's going to be there. One, the resume, you're undefeated. Two, you just beat a top 10 team, which is your rival. And Ohio State's loss to Oregon still haunts them because I do think the pollsters are still using that right now to not put Ohio State in the top four. And I get it. I understand it. 
Locked On Big Ten is brought to you today in part by Built Bar. Built Bar has all the flavors you need for all of your protein needs. It's all of the nutrition packed into the bar that you're used to. Protein, no carbs, no sugars, only the stuff you need, none of that stuff that you don't like, but all the flavor that you love. Again, all sorts of flavors over at BuiltBar.com. They're putting out new flavors like every few days this month as something to try and get you interested and get you over to the site. So head on over there, look at what they've got. And again, if you try out the service, use the code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the place to go for all of your protein needs. Everyone over here at Locked On loves the Built Bars that we get. Uh, real quick before we move on again, Jay, uh, you're the only team or host on the Lockdown Network with a team that's had to really think about college football playoff all year. Other teams have played their way into it. What do you think will be that top four on Tuesday? I guess not in any order. You don't need to get specific with it, but will it be? I mean, I, I guess where, where's Cincinnati going to be? We know where, we know that we know what the other three are going to be. It's going to be Alabama, Oklahoma, and Georgia at the top, likely. Where does Cincinnati fall in in that first ranking? Because that's what everyone's wondering. I think. I think Cincinnati's at six. I think that being a group of five team. This is my predictions. I mentioned this on Locked On Buckeyes um, on Monday show. If you guys want to get a longer, more explanation for that, check that show out. I do think Cincinnati is at six right now. I think the group of five effect and their the teams that they play on a week in week out basis are not power five level. I do think that hurts them because this committee knows who they play their Who's in their conference is not the same caliber as the teams that are Georgia or in Alabama or in Oklahoma, or even a Michigan state, those teams that they play weekend and week out Cincinnati. I think they are at six. Well, who's your four number four, I guess. Who's the fourth team out of, after the three I said. So you said Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma. I got Michigan State number in, in the four top four. Then, okay. Yeah, in the, in the top four, yeah. I actually have Michigan State three and then Oklahoma four. Right, okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, again, I was, I was kind of thinking where in that top four Cincinnati would be, but I'm glad I asked then. So, again, moving on. Any other games? Oh, wait, we didn't even get to Minnesota yet. I wanted to talk Minnesota. They beat Northwestern bad in Evanston, 41-14. to 14, 21 points in the fourth quarter of that game. It actually was pretty close going into the final period, but they blew it open. Tanner Morgan looked really good. Two running backs whose first names I need to look up before we started to make sure I had it right. Marquise Irving and Kai Thomas, both at more than 100 yards as the Gophers, again, continue, as we've mentioned, to run the ball, no matter who it is actually holding it. That offensive line seems to be an absolute force right now for Minnesota. And a team right now in the Gophers that you give them credit for everything they've done, more than anything, if you ask me, this was a team that really for the last year and a half had been the most up and down out of all of the Big Ten after having that big 2019. There were times it looked like it could be really good. There were times where it was absolutely in disarray. But right now, this team looks like the most stable in all of the Big Ten West because you know at least, at the very least, even if Tanner Morgan isn't going to be the great Tanner Morgan, even if that defense is going to give up some points, you, you know you've got some stability there in that run game in a way that I, I think at least it's proven that Minnesota is going to be around for every game it plays the rest of the way. It's not going to get blown out by anybody save all the way up until a big 10 championship game. You know, Nate, Tanner Morgan got really knocked for how his play was earlier in the season. And people were looking at him and saying, 
We were looking at the 2019 Tanner Morgan, and that's the guy we're going to get consistently more of that. I think what we're seeing with Tanner Morgan now, that's who he is. This is who he is. I like this version of Tanner Morgan. He's not going to be have the amazing touchdown numbers and passing yard numbers. That's not who he is. He's not that kind of guy. He plays within the system. He does what is being asked of him. If he needs to hand the ball off to Irving 19 times and Thomas 21 times and have over 50 carries in the game for the whole entire team, so be it. Whatever the team needs of him to do to win the game, he's doing that. And I'm very happy, and I I like how he's fitting into his role, and I love this offensive line. I mean, week one, think about it. People were saying, oh, it was just Ohio State's defense was playing bad, and they couldn't stop the run, and Minnesota was doing everything. Oh, is that going to be sustainable? Absolutely. Got to give credit to those big guys up front because what we saw week one was not a fluke. They are able to move people in open holes for whoever is behind them running the ball. Yeah, I mean, Tanner Morgan was at one point there was that time where he he was always a game manager, right? Mm -hmm. He, He was always the guy who got the ball to the guys who made the plays, whether that be one of his running backs that he's had such a great time and success working with or whether it be Rashad Bateman or Tyler Johnson, who are both in the NFL now, or Chris Ottman Bell, who could likely be in the NFL soon. There's always been him kind of getting those guys the ball when he had all three of those guys, Bateman, Johnson, and Ottman Bell, there were thoughts that maybe he could develop into the quarterback that makes the plays himself. But it seems like, and it's been proven that Minnesota is perfectly good enough with Tanner Morgan, just being the Tanner Morgan that he's been. And to be fair, he is really good at doing that. What he does for Minnesota, getting the ball to the guys who can make the plays it's again, he has some bad games, but the Gophers, I think couldn't be happier. I know the fan base couldn't be happier with that quarterback. They love Tanner Morgan under center there in Minnesota. Three other games that we could talk about, Jay. Do you have anything you want to touch on with Rutgers getting its first Big Ten win, Purdue narrowly topping in Nebraska, and Indiana staying winless in the Big Ten uh, on the road, on the road, not at home against Maryland? Not really, but I will touch a little bit on um, the Purdue game, and it's more so a negative. I don't mean to close things out with a negative thought, but we're seeing numerous coaches in college football mutually part ways or part ways with their current schools coach O LSU now he's still coaching the team but he's not coaching the team after this season we just saw today I think it was a couple hours ago Nate before us recording the recording the show Gary Patterson and TCU he is stepping down immediately they were hoping that he would finish throughout the season Gary Patterson believes it's time for it to happen now Scott Frost I don't think Nebraska is going to wait for him I think that marriage that he's had, theoretical marriage he's had with Adrian Martinez was what hurt him drastically. I think Adrian Martinez has gotten better, but he makes bad, really bad decisions for a guy that has played as much football at the collegiate level as he has had. Jim Harbaugh is another guy. Will he be up at the end of the season if you are going to consistently lose to your rivals, in-state rival, and then potentially at the end of the year to Ohio State? Will that be enough to get you fired? We've seen coaches get fired for that previously. But Scott Frost, you're losing here to a Purdue team that you're evenly matched with and your quarterback is a big reason why you're losing. Scott Frost could be another coach that at the end of the season, he is gone 
outside of Nebraska. Yes, I know people are saying if they if he can't turn them around, who will? I don't think Scott Frost is that kind of coach to turn them around in the ways that Nebraska fans want them to. I think Scott Frost could be gone at the end of the season. Also, that game November 27th, Thanksgiving week. If Jim Harbaugh loses to Ohio State once again, remember, Michigan just restructured his contract and lessened his buyout. He's getting $4 million right now, a year salary, and his buyout's a little over $4 million. A drastic difference from the $17 million that Coach O got when he is getting bought out of his contract. I think Scott Frost could be on the outside looking in, and I do think Jim Harbaugh could also, if he loses to Ohio State, could be on the outside looking in as well, being on the unemployment line because their coaches and their places of employment, their schools, no longer want them to lead the football teams. Well, we've got those conversations to have. We've got the conversations about coaches leaving for better jobs to have, quote-unquote, better jobs. Of course, nobody <laughs> listening thinks that any job's better than the school that they've got right now. But yeah. it's all a whole lot to break down, but we've got a whole lot of football still to get to before we get to all of that. Again, maybe, but who knows? Maybe we'll see a coach leave here before the end of the season, as, again, Jay touched on. Jay is on Locked On Buckeyes. You've heard him talk about some of the stuff that he's talked about on today's show on that program. And he talks about, of course, everything going on with the Buckeyes every single weekday. So after you're done listening here to Locked On Big Ten as your first listen, be sure to make Locked On Buckeyes with Jay your second listen every single weekday. Uh, Jay, before we let you go, remind the people where they can get all your stuff with Locked On Buckeyes and everything else that you're up to. You guys can always follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. You can follow, subscribe to the Locked on Buckeyes podcast, the J. Stevens podcast. Please feel free to leave a five-star rating and review. It's greatly appreciated. Everything I do, the J. Stevens podcast and Locked on Buckeyes, it's free on all platforms for your enjoyment. That's Jay Stevens again with Locked on Buckeyes and everything he just mentioned. I'm Nate Dickinson. I'll be back in just a minute to wrap things up. You're listening in to Locked on Big Ten.